This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller, his guy Friday Christian Blatt, and superstar producer Lindsay Floyd. And now, it's him, Dennis Miller. Hey. I just did some shrooms, and uh, this ought to be a wild show. Kidding! But I did have some Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee. Christian, have you tasted our new sponsor yet? Or their coffee? I have uh, <laughs> not had a chance to sample them just yet. One cup makes you happy. <laughs> Delish. When you hear lion's mane, don't think they're going over with a, you know, pick and taking out some follicular matter from the nape of the neck of a male lion. By the way, when you go to Africa, you find out the male lions are like soft. <laughs> yeah, they just sit there and uh, you know pose for Broadway posters. <laughs> but the the real the real power is with the chick uh, chick uh, lions, <laughs> chick lions, as it should be. <laughs> and it's not from the uh, their uh, you know that uh, Christmas wreath that rounds the male lion's head. It's a uh, it's a mushroom. So. Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee. Give it a tumble. Now, what's your fucking problem today, Christian? Uh, alphabetical or order of importance? Order of alphabet. Did you ever see, um, <laughs> who was I just watching? Do you realize how many people have to go back to the beginning of the alphabet and start singing it to find their way? I was watching something the other night. I think it was like Roy Cohn or something on a Studio 54 documentary. And they said, uh, can you give us the ABCs of the case? And he, he literally had, had to go back and go, A, B. And by the way, our listenership now has been compared to the uh, crowd at Roy Cohn's Wake. So we're building. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're building. Always growing. <laughs> what about they took the Rocky statue down in Philadelphia? I think it was time. From the top of the steps. Yeah, he had a good run. Can you imagine how far out of your way? Are local politicians fucked? <laughs> I believe so, yes. I mean, really, you're in Philly. You can go yeah. watch the duel at Diablo between the two steak places. There's a couple old red buildings where, you know, guys in stockings with goiters were getting laid. By the horse! Uh, Dr. J used to throw Eddie Snyder's and the Fred Shiro, the Velvet, or no, that's Mel Torme. <laughs> the Fog, Freddie the Fog, Shiro, and the Cl Clarky coming out and pole-axing that Russian in the ankle with a stick. So there's some Philly stuff. Believe me, I go way back. I was a Larry Heisel, Don Money fan when they first came out. But uh, I'm just saying, it's not like you're in Paris, you know? One of the five stops that anybody would make on that photo thing, you know, in New York. By the way, uh, note to self, never sit inside the big O on Love Thing on 57th or 58th, whatever that street is. <laughs> right. Because it is a cauldron of international virus. Every time I go there, you got kids in there. There are people changing diapers in there. And then I watch somebody else jump in, and I just think, Phew. Are you kidding me? Let me just go give blood and Port-au-Prince while I'm at it. <laughs> you know Buddy Epson was the original Tin Man, right? I do. Almost died. 
Because they spray painted him with all the yeah. silver and he almost suffocated to death. I probably shouldn't have laughed at that, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it'd be a crazy way to go. Yeah. As, uh, as Bond told Leiter, you must leave a clear space at the base of the spine <laughs> so the body can breathe. That's as close as I can get to Connery. Is that sad? That's not that far off. I don't even know what that sounds like. Uh, it sounds like... Yeah, but knowing your impressions, that's that's not too bad. Shut your bloody pie hole, Christian. <laughs> that's some of the hardest times I've ever laughed in my life. Rick was a writer on my... Uh, was it HBO or... I think... Or a show before that, even. It was the HBO show. Boy, I love him. One of the sweetest humans I've ever met. God, he would make me laugh because he would come in every week with a bit of a sitcom script in his head for a, uh, a sitcom where Sean Connery's married to Courtney Love. And it always degenerated into, you know, her asking Sean to do something completely antithetical to Sean's vibe. And, you know, Sean's on record saying occasionally you have to whap the woman to get her attention. It would always turn into him looking up like, you know, Cramden at the, with Alice. And go, Shut your bloody pie hole! And then he'd attach <laughs> a personalization on the end. Yeah, a term oh, of endearment, they, if you will. They had to sedate me. I would laugh so hard. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late, to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you, you may feel a little tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't. Ever. To the naked eye, trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are, and they don't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. Over a mile to stop. By that time, it's too late, and the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way. And you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Because trains can't. But anyway, oh, and by the way, the girl in the uh, James Bond credits for Goldfinger in the background passed away this week. I think she was 76, so everybody's getting old. And uh, they have that great one in there where they superimpose, who is that? Maurice Binder, I think is the man's name. I wonder if he did. I know there was one he fell out of, and it, if it was Goldfinger, somebody else jumped in and did a great one. But those credit sequences were always done by a man named Maurice Binder. But I know there was some falling out for a second, and he passed on one. So I, I can't be 100% sure he did the Goldfinger one, but whoever did it did that amazing shot where they took the rotating license plate and superimposed it over her mouth. So uh, you, you see her uh, sort of diffused uh, in a camera sense in the background, and uh, I think her eyes are closed maybe, and... Uh, the rotating uh, license plates are superimposed right over her mouth. It's such a great shot. Anyway, still the best Goldfinger. I can remember being that, that my writ to passage into the adult world. I don't know how old I am. I'm 66 now, so it's 2020, right? So Goldfinger's got to be 63, 64. 
So that's 20, 56 years ago. I'm 66, so I'm 10 or 11. And I actually get in to see Goldfinger. You know, the whole the whole world wasn't as uh, fragile then. Where, you know, me being in there would cause some Native American to come out and not be able to... Everything seems interconnected now as far as whininess. Set off some chain reaction where eventually I've got uh, somebody who... Uh, has some steam issues set off by the fact that I, at age 10, snuck in to see a James Bond film. It's an odd job if you can get it. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Um, oh, by the way, now that they're starting to find out that Hillary was the one in Russian collusion, they're going to, you know what, she's got that look on her face now like, uh, like they've got her attention, like uh, odd job when he threw the hat. And it missed, and then Bond had the hat in his hand. Do you remember Oddjob's face? Like, <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> and he started prancing, you know, like a little bit back and forth, trying to put his Timmy Hardaway crossover on, but he didn't have the move. Then Bond flung it, missed. I think the cat's name's Cicada. He gives the big grin, and then the coolest move ever. Bond grabs the severed cable, slides in, and uh, odd job goes down like a uh, UFC fighter with an inner ear infection. This is the Dennis Miller option. <laughs> <laughs> As if it might have been anything else. <laughs> who's on? Who's on? Who's on? <laughs> you know, they're making them go back and get old prints of uh, Goldfinger. And when lighter... And his aide-de-camp, whoever that man's name is, are sitting outside Goldfinger's horse ranch in Kentucky waiting to hear something from Bond because they've followed the little pulsar that he had uh, lodged. They, they had given him, it was an amazing scene. Q gave him three options, a big one for a suitcase, a small one for the heel of his shoe, and then a pulsar catheter, which Bond... Uh, was wearing in the horse ranch. And so a little beep was being sent off from his penis helmet across the road, and Lighter was sitting outside a Kentucky Fried Chicken, which also has broken some people's hearts because it had a picture of the colonel on it. So they've gone back, and it it looks really... It's, it's like when Ted Turner started colorizing Casablanca on TBS and stuff. It just... It doesn't ring well because they've got the big KFC, and that didn't exist then. God, that's uh, so many years ago. And Lighter and him are sitting there, and the colonel's gone. And, uh, all right, progress. Let's all come together as one and be really uh, in hate with each other. I think that's what's happening right now. I watched a 54 documentary last night. Crazy. How uh, Ian Schrager, it was the first one he participated in. And uh, actually, it wasn't about, I know what you're thinking, uh, Studio 54 documentary. No, no, it was uh, a Car 54, Where Are You? And uh, <laughs> Studio 54, Where Are You? With Joey ooh, Ross. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it was the first one Schrager uh, participated in. And, uh, you know, throughout the whole thing, uh, he he looks like Harvey Keitel, sort of. Uh, if he if they did an old man, if if they were performing Mean Streets at the Villages, you know, like a, an older version of Mean Streets. And uh, throughout the thing, he was relatively bulletproof. Indeed, laughed at a few things that you probably wouldn't want to laugh at when you're on camera. But he got to one point. It turns out his father 
was a connected guy, wired. I think I think his name was Mac the Jew or something, his mob name. And the only time in the entire hour and 38-minute documentary where you can really see him turn in on himself and hate himself is when he gets set up for tax evasion for three and a half million dollars. They get or um, for around two to three million dollars. They get three and a half years. They take him to a building that looks shockingly. Is this possible that this building existed then and still exists now, where uh, you know Epstein um, tied his uh, for Epstein? What a weird way for him to go out with that one piece that you watch TV in that they always sell on the direct sale infomercials. What's that called? The, the sleep dirigible, or you remember those things that people would sit there. The, and, the snuggie. Yeah, the snuggie. I think he did himself with the snuggie, which is so weird to me. But um, it looks like the same building. They said they couldn't do three and a half years; they would have died. Uh, you know, he said I made friends with a guy across the hall, and I never think of it as a situation like that. I always think of it as one of those interior embassy suites where across the hall is a big plunge down into a garden where people are getting breakfast free at like four in the morning. You know that feel? Uh, but he said across the hall there was a guy who murdered somebody with a bowling ball, crushed his skull in, and they made a deal with him to send money to his wife on the outside to keep him and Rebel alive. But he said we were never going to make it three and a half years. You know, we had it all. We ran Studio 54, and here we are with guys who were just you know, in there for crimes, probably just stay alive. Many of them are junkie, you know, a lot of uh, sadness in, in these joints, obviously. And he said they would have probably done us just for a red badge of courage. So they rat to get out. They rat on some other nightclubs. They rat on bonds, uh, the great bonds down in Union Square where the clash welcomed the world. And there were a couple other places, New York, New York, I think one was called. And I can't remember the third one, but they rat on the owners and said they're doing their books too. And at this point, after all these, the craziness of 54, the craziness of, of them, and, and, you know, in retrospect, it looks like a pretty uh, benign thing, turning people down at the door. You can see it's an intoxicant that the herd does love to be singled out, out of the herd. And uh, it was a pretty smart play, I think. I don't even know if they were malicious about it, but people want what they can't have. So the velvet ropes and the you, he would split up a girlfriend and her boyfriend of it occasionally, Rubel. He'd go, you're beautiful. You can come in. Not your old man. Tell him to go shave. Just brutal. But, you know, in, in a place like New York where everybody's trying to get out of the Peloton and into the yellow jersey, that's an intoxicant. People want to be there. They want to walk that. And then they get in. They feel good about themselves when they get up in the morning like I used to do and go to the widget company and count screws, six screws into a fucking brown envelope and send it out to, to cater. Oh, Christ. I was trying to be a comedian. That was my job. I had one of those things they use in pharmacies to count pills out. People would order these little wing nuts and screws, and I had to sit there all day. I thought, for fuck's sake, I make Bob Cratchit look like B.B. Rebozo here. And uh, then at 50, you go to 54 at night and do some blow, and, you know, give, give a head, head to a stranger up in the bleacher seats, and all of a sudden, you're in the money. So that was the theory behind it was that. But when he got to the part where he had to rat other people out, right? He said, my dad would uh, never have done that. Uh, no, he didn't break down. Maybe he's doing it because, you know, you never know. They have a long memory when you get ratted, but pretty fascinating. 
so anyway, I feel like I know about Studio 54 now. And uh, for my money, it's Studio 5395. No, thank you. I'll stay in and watch Terrio on Dance Fever. Remember when Terrio handed it over to Zmed and the whole vibe of the shit? Sh- remember, I had a good joke then, Christian. I said, have you seen the new Zmed version of Dance Fever? I haven't seen choreography that stiff since the Lee Harvey Oswald prison transfer. This is a solid joke, isn't it? Solid joke. Absolutely. That's a, that's a Hall of Fame joke. Jesus, could I pulled you? I, I pulled that out of you like Zell <laughs> in Marathon, man. You didn't even like that joke, but I came in hard. Listen, when's our guest? No. I loved that joke 32 years ago. Our guest will be uh, Judge Deneen Pirro. Do I have time to use the loo? Oh, my gosh. You have 25 minutes to lose the loo. But uh, if you use it for that long, I'll be concerned. Uh, Listen, don't infer that I'm going in there, you know, to throw a growler. (laughs) I just uh, drank a grande strawberry acai refresher from Starbucks. I know I gave money to the man. Did I see that Starbucks is trying to get rid of all white people? Uh, I thought I saw a headline this morning that they, well, I'll have to read up on that, but, um, <laughs> Hey, Hey, little man, don't, don't lecture me about my renal p- proclivities. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know where the fuck you got off. When, when I first met you, <laughs> I would tell you when you could pee. Don't come around and tell me you're green lighting my whiz. <laughs> And, you know, you can leave a voicemail if you give us a call at 866-509-RANT. That's 866-509-7268. And if you like me, I don't know why, but if you like me, you can always find my personal podcast, The Blackcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T dot com. Also, everywhere fine podcasts are found. We still on? We are. I got you. I've been back at the mic for a few, around 30 seconds, and I thought, geez, if I just hover here for a second, I can skeeve everybody out for the rest of the podcast because I'd put it right on the cusp line if I did did go in and change the mission, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that would hover, <laughs> put a pall on the rest of the show, but I've actually been back. I It was proper, you know, yeah. bracketed whiz time. But I thought just... I don't know. Hitchcock would set up a tension. And uh, in this case, the fake deuce was the MacGuffin. The fake deuce is the MacGuffin. Roe Clooney song. I don't know if you remember that. George Clooney's hat. So what are we doing? What do we got today? Who's on? What's she talking about? I'll give you the, uh, the headline for what you were talking about. Is uh, Starbucks has pledged to have 30% of corporate workforce identify as a minority by 2025. Oh, well, certainly I must have saw that on a more Yahoo website because I see Starbucks <laughs> going. Yeah, well. <laughs> said something like. This is CNBC and they used to give you money, so they must be good. Boy, they whacked me so quickly. <laughs> hey, you still got paid. I know, Christian. Believe me. <laughs> color me, color me prorated because immediately he called and he said, do you want to come in and say goodbye to the viewers and. Do your last two shows, I said. What? The, I thought you fucking. Do you not know who you, I am? I mean, I. I, <laughs> I don't have many Christian standout qualities as a human being, do I? Sure. I mean, no, no. Plenty. One of them is when it's over. Oh <laughs> it's yeah. Over. Yeah. 
I just remember him saying, do you want to come in and wrap it up on the air and say goodbye to everybody? I said, I, you mean I don't have to? He said, no. He said, but you haven't even enough. I said, please, brother. It's too bad because I had to choreograph a uh, so long farewell off Weeders and Goodbye doing all of my characters from the show. But uh, that's all right. I just took it on the road. Yeah, I missed it. Well, then I'm going to spend the rest of my life building a time machine to go back and experience that. <laughs> Remember what a blast furnace it was out on that lot. And Ellen was just starting, wasn't she? Uh, she'd been on for a, a few years, but yeah, I mean, this is, we're going back, this was like 16 years ago, so yeah. Oh, so Ellen's been on TV, that, that on a talk show that long? I think this is her 19th season, maybe, so. Wow. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. I remember we were down in a corner cubby. Ellen, her crowds would be pulling up, like, uh, in red double-decker buses from London. It was such a hot show. We were tucked down in a corner with Patty Hearst after she'd been kidnapped by Sing Q and the rest of the boys over at SLA. And I think they're in, currently in litigation suing SNL, saying that they had two of those letters way back when and that they want their uh, their taste, as they put it. Everybody in the Symbionese Liberation <laughs> Army wets the beak. And uh, we would go to do my show and Chris, you remember they brought all those foreign people in the Asians. They didn't speak one word of English. They had given them each twenty bucks. Yeah, tour tour groups uh, that you know they were probably out here to go visit the tribal lands. And uh, <laughs> you want to see a TV show? Here's twenty dollars. Oh my god! No, no, it was yeah, like all these Asian people who had flown over to L.A. to go see a Frank Lloyd Wright house on Glendale. <laughs> Somehow they'd get lassoed outside the Merv Griffin Theater and thrown into a school bus and <laughs> given $20 and a box lunch, I'd come out, hey, folks, and nobody would even, they, they didn't even know what hey, folks meant. <laughs> oh, showbiz is one big, beautiful denigration. Unless you're front-running, right? Then it's oh. groovy. But man, trust me. Most of your efforts when you're on the lower rungs of show business is, uh, I don't know, think of it, you're in a chariot race and uh, your your horses had bad kibble in their feed before they went out <laughs> and you're trying to dodge razor blade spokes from Stephen Boyd and you can't even concentrate on that because your horses are just dropping gassers on you left and right. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, would I be fair in saying that's show business? Oh, <laughs> uh, that sounds like show business to me. Yeah. yeah. That's the level of show business I aspire to, of course. Fuck. And you're and and and, and your buddy's parachuting with me. You're on my back. <laughs> Did you see that footage of the woman and the guy who get on the wing of the plane and jump out and you know, they always have these, sometimes you get into these activities, folks, that, where guys want to show off their acumen, like things like bungee jumping, parachuting, uh, whitewater rafting, you know, everybody's got, nah, of course you could go down here, but nah, that's like, you know, all that, and something goes awry because everybody's gotten a little too uh, cocksure, and uh the guy gets out on the wing and he goes, three, two, one, you know, throws up that Hawaiian thing with your thumb and your baby finger where they use for everything. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, the, 
Yeah, the harness gets hooked up on the wheel, and they're stuck there for nine minutes. Oh, God. You've got to watch this footage. You can see the woman thinking, good. Can I get a? Can I get something back on this experience? <laughs> nine minutes at nine thousand feet, oh. just yeah. hung up there, oh. you know. And the the guy, and at that moment, the the guy is the furthest person on the planet from extending his pinky and his thumb. <laughs> you know that all goes away. It's like all of a sudden it's the ghost of Mister Chicken, and you're thinking, great, I'm fucking hung up on the tire of a Piper Cub. I'm in for 400, and uh, Fess Parker just turned into Wally Cox over my shoulder. Good. Can I? Can we do this again tomorrow? Maybe have the fucking plane land on my skull. <laughs> oh Christ! I'm telling you what, I'm ripping like this, Christian. I'm so fucking happy I got to be me. <laughs> If you're like me, you have a mortgage and a family who depends on your income, then you need to protect the ones you love with life insurance. Life insurance can pay off a mortgage or help send the kids to college. Peace of mind. Think you can't afford it? Chances are Select Quote can help you get it for less than a dollar a day. Thinking about life insurance? Did you know the older you get, the more it costs? That's why locking in your rate for up to 10 to 20 years right now makes sense. The rate you lock in won't change even if your health status does. Think you can't afford it? Chances are SelectQuote can help you get it for, as I said, less than $1 a day. SelectQuote comparison shops highly rated companies, including Prudential, Banner Life, and Mutual of Omaha, and others, to find you the company with the best rates. For example, SelectQuote could find a 40-year-old man a 500 thousand dollar policy for under $26 a month. That's less than a dollar a day. A cup of coffee costs more than that. <laughs> Much more in certain in certain places. Select Quotes breakthrough technology allows them to quickly match you with the best insurance company to find your best policy. Plus, quotes are free. Listen, I know my detractors tell me often to get a life. And I did. And then I insured it. And I use SelectQuote. It's a great option because they comparison shop and they save you time. If you die, life insurance is your income replacement. It can help your spouse or partner pay off the mortgage or pay off the college. Let SelectQuote save you time and money. Get your free quote at SelectQuote.com today. That's SelectQuote.com today for your free quote. Don't put off protecting your family another day. SelectQuote.com. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors not available in all states. What are we doing no. today? Where's this Judge Janine? Well, she's going to call in about 16 minutes, but uh, until then, we could uh, check in with some people who adore you. Holy fuck. What, how did we stage this? I, I, Christian, I've been on for two and a half days here. <laughs> We're getting pretty close to minute Holy 30 right now. Christ. I know when the front of my head starts itching, I know the show's gone off the tracks. <laughs> so that's right between the hay and the folks. By the way, weird things they never tell you about. Uh, I'm starting to get a bald spot on my donor site on the back of my head for my plugs. 
Not not complete Jeremy Piven in Malibu, where you're thinking, <laughs> Christ Almighty, what what is, what is Sacagawea out there? What happened to him? But I'm starting to get a little bit of a, you can see through, and all of a sudden I've got a little, uh, well, let's just say uh, I've been branded by Keith Ranieri for Nexium. <laughs> <laughs> You watch those jerk offs. Oh my god, it's crazy! It's amazing. They're all jerk offs. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Christ, even the ones you can see the one woman finally has gotten her TV show. You can see she's she was an actress and oh yeah, she's always kind of showing the cameraman her Mexican scar and so embarrassed and she's just pouring paint. Yeah, that it's yeah. so creepy. The whole deal. Yes, yeah, Sarah will show that to people that aren't even talking about Nexium. It's just more like, yeah, but do you want to see it? Sarah. That's her name? Isn't that her name? Yeah, I think so. Oh, what are you jerking off to the show? Yeah. How do you know that? I mean, I just know them as a whole. Look. It's like Josie and the Pussycats road crew <laughs> all fucked up on buttons, and you're over there. What do you mean, Sarah K or Sarah L? <laughs> what, Look. The, what are you doing? How do you know that name? What? What do you put the kids to bed? I was promised a sex cult with the with the girls from Smallville, and it has not delivered yet. So I have to make do with what I'm getting. Okay. <laughs> I forgot you love shows like that. Uh, yeah, come on. <laughs> got the girls from Battlestar Galactica. Her name was Luna Star. Luna Star. <laughs> she worked the night shift in the power room on Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> You're over there like a fucking woodchuck on <laughs> ecstasy or something. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sarah, I can't. They have this thing where you can watch shows at double speed, but I watch it at like half speed so that uh, I can enjoy it a little bit longer. Uh, frame by frame. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Christian, uh, yeah. It's like. Uh, 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 uh. Goes over it like Earl Warren went over the Zabruder film. <laughs> Frame 237, Sarah goes behind the Dealey Plaza <laughs> side. <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> That's the greatest inadvertent oh. review ever. So you are watching the show a little. <laughs> Just a little. Yeah. I don't know why I immediately flashed on you. You're using the show as foreplay. Yeah, well, I do watch it with my wife, so you can infer oh. from that what you like. Christ. I'll tell you what, you got to admire a branding expert who's literally branding people. Nothing more of a turn on. <laughs> that phrase is used euphemistically. Uh, don't talk over me, please, Andrew. <laughs> when, when I'm killing, uh, I, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm it sorry. reminds me of the time I took my dog down to the beach and the guy threw the skim board and he went to jump on it right where the water meets the sand. And my dog took a little half step towards him. He didn't want to hurt the dog. So he only put one foot on the skim board, fell back and hit his head. And my dog just veered off and we walked happily down the beach. That's what you just did to that bit. I, I was about to jump on the score skim board. And you come in, what, what were you talking? You and Stemper over there. Hey, Stemp, can we go Echo Box on that? What the fuck is that? What are you doing? Oh, I got excited. Oh, okay. Well, Lindsay, let's stay after class today, and we'll talk about when we talk again. Okay. I thought it was a technical note or something. But uh, where's that Judge Janine woman? She'll be with us in 12 minutes. Jesus, that was only four minutes? 
Are you kidding? Four me? minutes of Nexium Gold. Are you kidding? Come on. <laughs> Nexium Gold. It's for those people who want branded in their mid sixties. There's a special special combination of iodines and supplements that your 60-year-old body needs inserted in the brand. Did you see the brand, by the way? Yes. Sarah showed it to me when I went to her house for coffee. (laughs) (laughs) It was the weirdest brand. It was like something you'd see on the box for a Chisenbop course or something. (laughs) Some weird... And and people naturally immediately there's that uh, they would do the thing where they go there I see these initials in there and those initials in there and I'm thinking Christ can I just look at Santana's first album and not have to obsess that there's a lion in there <laughs> picking a lock at uh, uh. well let's uh, let's check in with the folks let you play some stuff for me or something yeah, voice number one hey listen Christian give me three things I got one last post-it here. And by the way, does anybody else get creeped out when you're down to your last post-it on a pad? I've got one, and it's just something about it's too flimsy. I've got the little brown paper on the back end. And by the way, I remember when I was young and broke, is this a sad confession? <laughs> that I would actually write on the brown paper on the back of the, uh, <laughs> rather than buy a new pack. That's how yeah. fucking broke I was in New York. Rather than bust into a new pack of post-its, I would write on the brown thing on the back. And I told you about that time I was mowing lawns for a living and the guy I was working with, I won't say his name because he's no doubt still alive and might might not want to be included in a far right wingers podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're sitting at coffee. I've told you this, Christian, but the listeners will either, well, they'll hate this or just hate it a little. Yeah. Mowing lawns, complete losers. We'd get in at 830. We'd try to mow lawns, uh, you know, and believe me, I was I was working. Can't get this damn thing started for 15 minutes. And, uh, you know, pump, prime it, pump it. By the time I finally mowed the lawn, it's 10 after 9. I remember once I had a job where I was supposed to help a house painter, and he gave me a belt sander to hold over my head over an enclosed backdoor porch. And he said, strip that ceiling down. I made it six minutes, Christian. 30-pound belt sander above my head for six minutes. My, my arms make Frank Gorshin look like Lou Ferrigno. Just little, <laughs> tiny, you, you could clean a pipe with these arms. After six minutes, I go, brother, I'm out. He goes, what do you mean? My mom had set me up with a job. I said, I can't lift this thing anymore, much less till five o'clock tonight. And I'm just not the guy for you. But thank you for the try, and... I went back, and as soon as I walked in, my mom knew. That's what, you know, that's why she was a loving mom. She said, what was it? And I said, uh, ah, Mommy wanted me to lift this belt center, and my arms were hurting after around six minutes. I knew I couldn't put an eight-and-a-half-hour day in there with a half-hour for lunch. And she gave me a hug, and also simultaneously let me know I was a repellent asshole to her at that moment, but she gave me the <laughs> hug. Anyway, so the guy I'm mowing lawns with, hey, where's Judge Jenny? Um, she is, uh, <laughs> she's mowing her lawn right now. She'd probably come in right now, but she wants to hear this story paid off. He opens the paper. He's talking about the Pittsburgh Pirate game and just a one in a million shot, the way the paper's folded. It paper cuts him across the white of his eye. <laughs> 
I'm not kidding you, Creed. Can you imagine that? No, I can't. <laughs> He's sitting talking to me. I've got a coffee. Like I said, we worked for 40 minutes. Now we're trying to milk this break for an hour. He said, hey, Rennie, stun it. Let me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I look over. I go, what the fuck? What's wrong? He takes his hand off his eye. It's like a little. It's split a little. <clears throat> Like if you took a little uh, wire to a, a white, uh, the egg white, just split a little. It paper cut him. Yeah. So they rush him out, man, to a car to drive him to the hospital. I jump right into the fray and ask my boss if I'm responsible for his part of the lawn, too. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was a good friend. I didn't yeah. want to ruin his handiwork, you know, with no. my bad pattern. Of course. <laughs> What losers we were. Oh, my <laughs> God, what incredible losers. I try to put a pattern. That's all I had in life. I try to put a pattern into a lawn. I'd go home and feel like a loser about it and find myself with my sweeper trying to put a pattern into my plush carpeting. And just That's all I did. I had nothing together. Now I've got the podcast, and I'm front-running again. This episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, a wellness company that is well known for its delicious mushroom coffee. Four Sigmatic's mushroom coffee is real organic fair trade, single origin Arabic coffee with lion's mane mushroom for productivity and chaga mushroom for immune support. Tasty. I've been starting my day with Four Sigmatic's ground mushroom coffee with lion's mane instead of regular coffee, and I love how it helps me focus so I can get shit done. Um, um, where was I? No, I'm kidding! I'm never at a loss for words now, because I'm on the lion's mane. Amazing. I absolutely feel an uptick in my productivity every time I drink it. It helps me focus like nothing else. Mushroom coffee is also easy on my gut, and believe me, I have a bojangled gut. doesn't leave me with that awful, jittery feeling or midday crash. Usually, I can have a cup of coffee regular in the morning. If I go back in in the afternoon, I'm a little wired at dinner time, and I tend to eat more sweets. I don't know what that's about. I know. Why don't you go see a physician? I don't, because it takes away from my time drinking Four Sigmatic coffee. And then at night, I'm a little wired if I have a cup of coffee in the middle of the day. Not with the Siggy. All four Sigmatic products are organic, vegan, gluten-free. Plus, every single batch is third-party lab-tested to ensure its purity and safety. So you know you're getting the highest quality coffee and mushrooms possible. Now you're probably thinking, does this coffee taste like mushrooms? I can guarantee it tastes just like coffee you love. It brews dark, nutty, tastes incredible. Over 20,000 five-star reviews. And best of all, four Sigmatic backs their products with a 100% money-back guarantee. Love every sip, even that one, or get your money back. We've worked out an exclusive offer with Four Sigmatic on their best-selling mushroom coffee, but this is just for the Dennis Miller option. Listeners, get in close. I don't want them to hear. Get up to 40% off and free shipping on mushroom coffee bundles. To claim this deal, you must go to foursigmatic.com slash Dennis. This offer is only for Dennis Miller 
option listeners and is not available on their regular website. You save up to 40% and get free shipping. So right now, go to 4sigmatic.com slash Dennis. F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash Dennis and fuel your productivity and creativity with some delicious mushroom coffee. All right, so uh, play something. Voicemail number one, Corby from Branson. That was the best episode ever with Frank Caliendo doing his thing. Lindsay yelling, artichokes! Dennis and Christian doing their thing. Just hilarious. And then you guys played one of my voicemails. I have very large hands that aren't deformed, but I have a very small self-esteem. So when you do that, it makes me so much happier. And Christian said I get angry. It comes from a place of hurt. That's all it is. But when you guys play my voicemails, it just makes me a better husband, father, uh, friend. Um, You know, my kids don't ask me, Daddy, why are you so angry? Because Lindsay won't play my voicemails. Anyways, uh, thanks for doing that. That was a great episode. Have a good day. (laughs) Hey, Corby, go fuck yourself. Just trying to think the least expected reaction to that from our side. (laughs) I do love that you have to say you're kidding because you do have to say it because uh, he'll be very upset on his next voicemail, which will undoubtedly play on Tuesday. Carbs, come on. (laughs) Christ, don't go emotional hemophiliac on me. Slapping your on because we care. All right? Now go fuck yourself. Uh, voicemail number two comes to us from the Berg, Dave from Pittsburgh. So I totally enjoyed the Colin show. I tried to call Lindsay, but I think Lindsay dumped my call like Roy Scheider throwing chum off a Nantucket of a shark named Bruce. Dennis, I know you're sheepish in regards to accolades, and certainly at one point it did kind of sound like a Ron Jeremy pre-movie shoot fluffer party. <laughs> but you were in that Colin show, man. It was great fun. Please do more. Best wishes from Pittsburgh. Beautiful. Um, Colin was Colin quit on. Have I blanked completely? What did? No, no, no. A call-in show. Oh, <laughs> Colin Quinn does have a new book, but uh, this is a call-in show. I thought, Christ, am I that out of it that I can't remember being on with my friend Colin uh, Quinn? Colin, I get it now. Um, yeah, that was great. Oh fuck! When we get out and touch Indians. Listen, folks, when we come together, and it does take a village. Ah, 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 ah. Takes a village. Fuck, are you kidding me? Thank you. I'm glad you dug the Colin show. I like the uh, Roy Scheider chum thing. And uh, we used to leave cookies out with my kids, uh, cookies and milk, and I would sort of hit them with a key light like the uh, glass coming up to Ingrid Bergman at the end of Notorious. And uh, I would call it Santa Chum. My kids delighted in that at Christmas. I'd say, let's put out some Santa Chum. And then I told you the great all-time move I made, Christian, where they were I, I, I was Santa. Carolyn would bring them down to the landing of the house uh, when they were young, and she'd say, don't disturb them. And I'd be over there in my Santa outfit that I rented, and is there anything sadder 
than asking the guy if you can bring the Santa outfit back in on Christmas to save yourself fourteen dollars. <laughs> the guy looks at you and just shakes his head. He said, "Bring it in on the twenty-six, brother. Please, Christ, I won't charge you." Don't you live in the big house? What the fuck are you begging me for 14 bucks off this suit? So then they were finally starting to get onto it. Um, you know, I could tell because the one kid was 30 at that point. And uh, <laughs> see what I do, Christian. I just look, I nibble along on a through line, yes. the story. Sure, sure. And I work character off that. <laughs> so anyway, just when they were onto it, we had a friend. And his wife from Paris staying with us for Christmas. And uh, I rented the suit and asked him to be in it. So Carolyn takes them down to the landing. She's it. look, there's Santa. And they're just about to say, that's Dad. And I come up behind them and I go, shh, Santa's here. And they look over their shoulder and I'm there. The look on their face was priceless. I blew their minds. You don't even like the story. Oh, I love the story. Do you see what I did? It was a misdirection thing. Just yeah. when I knew they were going to say, that's dad down there, I substituted in their real dad. Oops, was that my outside <laughs> voice? <laughs> Why is Santa so much more handsome this year? <laughs> my uh, my father-in-law dresses up as Santa every year. Look at Santa pulling two. Remember last year, Santa could only pull one present out at a time with his tiny hands. <laughs> Look at this Santa. He's got four presents in each hand. <laughs> Where's that judge? Well, it's it's eleven fifty nine. Come on, you know she's uh, she gets paid by the by the minute. Anyway, I thought that was a cute story. I'm it's glad an adorable to see you story. Shit on it. I'm sure you had yeah. something with your kids. Hey, my kid, I put a little uh, phenobarbital in his feed that <laughs> night. He woke up on the pitcher's mound at Dodger Stadium. He's starting Game Four. I know. I had a Jagoff story. I was going. I was trying to say that my father-in-law dresses up as Santa, and uh, I could never take it away from him. Yeah, but that's at a club on Tuesdays, and but <laughs> yeah, well, there's that it's too. More of a Mrs. Claus thing. But I can never take it away from him because then, obviously, the press will be that I whitewashed Santa because he's an Asian Santa. So I, I can't take it over from him now. Wait a second. You have Asians in your life? <laughs> yeah, my wife is Chinese. Oh. <laughs> oh. Lindsay could call me again. I'm speaking, <laughs> my Christian can't understand voice. Only Lindsay can understand. You call me after the show. I got something to talk to you. Yeah, that's great, Christian. That's Yeah, so inclusivity and all that. <laughs> Lindsay, call me right after the show. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> That was a great parrot impression, Lindsay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Lindsay and I. Lindsay, can you take longer with this text you're sending me as the judge here? No, not? she's not here. I just had okay. the, I had it typed in so I was ready to okay. go. Gosh, Thanks. putting me on blast. Well, there are hanging judges and there's hang-up judges. Cause, <laughs> nah, nah. Well, we've got, a, we've got a joke submission while we uh, wrangle the judge. That's uh, Mark from Virginia, voicemail number three. Mike Pence is so square that the Amish have them come and stand in the corners when they do their barn raisings. Looking forward to the election. Hope you guys are doing well. Take care. <laughs> That's a pretty good joke. You've been using them as a... <laughs> I like that joke. I like the, how square Pence is. 
to me, Pence is like uh, Race Bannon if he were a Mormon or something, you know. Well, but uh, never let them tell you the Mormons don't have egos, because if you've seen what Romney's degenerated into, Christ, I like that guy. He was such a sweet man, but I missed it that he has a huge ego. He he thinks he matters. So I don't know much about their faith. Do they have a God guy, or is it a guy named Joe Smith or something? Didn't Joe Smith used to play for the Warriors? <laughs> So I mean, there's that guy is their god because I know yes. Haile Selassie is the Rastas god. So Joe Smith, former six ten, ironically small forward for the Golden State Warriors, <laughs> is the god of Mitt Romney, and uh, it must be since it's a guy god. And these religions where they pick just a guy who was in a covered wagon as a god, I guess that allows them to the big time with the ego. Because I'm shocked at Mitt Romney's uh, hubris. Christian, weren't you, uh, I think you told me once that Jumping Joe Caldwell from the old uh, St. Louis Atlanta Hawks was your god. Is that true, or do I remember that? And you used to go to Sunday service and he would jump over a small Peugeot from a standing start? There, go field that one. It was because too many people had already, uh, you know. Lindsay, don't talk over him and save him. I know you do that. <laughs> I know when he's in a bind, you'll talk over him, and I'll hear something in the background like, "Let's go to an Echo Park chip. Let him, let him hang out. Screw that guy. <laughs> I mean, all I had was that uh, I was unable to worship at the church of mm -hmm. Patrick Ewing because too many people had already signed up. So uh, I took what I could. Hmm. All right. Well, I didn't give you much there. It's not like I'm looking for spun gold out of that dog shit. I remember running down a hallway with Pat Ewing one night after a Tyson fight when somebody got shot in Vegas. Do you remember that? I do. Well, I was, I don't know how I ended up with Ewing, but they were running us down the hall to a safe room because we're celebrities. How's about that? And uh, I'm taking like 14 little steps and Ewing's, you know, it's like I'm a Lilliputian trying to keep up with Gulliver to get to the safe room. And somehow, I was so frightened, I'm such a pussy, I got there before him. And believe me, he was taking Godzilla-type strides. And then we got in there, and uh, I threw up a prayer, and uh, Deke Matumbo mashed it back in my face and shook his six-foot-long index finger at me. Where's that judge? It's a grand question, but, you know, I know where someone is. I know where David from Raleigh is. He's at voicemail number four. Hey, the judge couldn't make it today. Can we just agree on that? That's fine. I can agree to that. Okay, judge couldn't make but we it do today? But we do need to do a little bit more time. Though. Oh, I understand, Christian. Yeah. But if the judge calls in now, uh, I don't want to end up doing a whole hour. <laughs> it's fine. So just just say the ship sailed. Yes. And But we'll give her her plug. Sure. Uh, judge Janine Pira's new book is Don't Lie to Me. And stop trying to steal our freedom. And uh, listen, this is the best of possible worlds, right? I mean, for her. I don't have to do an interview and she gets the plug. Yeah. <laughs> I'll plug it again. She tell, tell her we've logged the plug and the next time we book her, she doesn't have to show up. So we're going to eliminate all this. <laughs> don't lie to me and stop trying to steal our freedom. Judge Janine Pirro. And if she has a new book by then, tell her to send it in and we'll slide it in. Hey, Judge Janine, how aren't you today? All right, back to these voicemails. 
Uh, number four, David from Raleigh. Christian, you're not mad now, are you? No. Folks, it's no, amazing no, that, to me that Christian no, no. has one thing that gets him. I can slap him around. I can talk about he and his wife using the Nexium branding thing as foreplay. <laughs> He'll ride with anything almost. Because we do. But occasionally you stumble into this weird blind spot where, you know, I'll say, I'm sorry. We cannot go ahead with the Todd Bridges interview today and fuck on a ledge with a rifle. <laughs> because if we get Bridges on, then hopefully we get Conrad Bain and then maybe Dana Plato. Okay, this is how it works. You got to take all of them in order. Because mm -hmm. my name is on it, Dennis. Yeah. Black. We were never going to get Gary Coleman, but I was hoping for Dana Plato. <laughs> Listen, we couldn't get Coleman when he was dead. And now that he's been rebirthed. <laughs> what about that? Did you ever think the first episode of Complete, Total, and peer-reviewed reanimation would be Gary Coleman? It was a little bit of a shocker. <laughs> huh? Back, and here's the subtle irony, even an inch shorter. No. So imagine that. You come back from the great beyond, and, you know, you were short in your regular life. And I don't mean of time. It's hard for me to imagine. Yeah, I, I just mean... Uh... <laughs> play some stuff how much time do we have we we probably got to do about i don't know eight people minutes people love this christian i know this is why the show's 498 out of 500 please on the uh <laughs> much higher on the top 500 the hot 500 see now that's when Lindsay gets upset yeah can you be on a list where it's called the hot 500 Lindsay? Uh, I'm going to make one just for the show i mean once you're at 500 once you're at 498 out of 500 is it, in fact, hot? Or... <laughs> it's lukewarm. Yeah, that's fair. It's, it's the room temp 500. Is it dry ice? Is it a piece of cod on some dry ice at that point? <laughs> hey, Dennis, you're 498 on the hot 500. Oh, please, you're always <laughs> above 200. Always. <laughs> oh. And usually in the 40s uh, for comedy, so you're kicking butt. Oh, yeah. 40s. Oh, my... Uh... <laughs> Who am I behind? Tosh? <laughs> uh, I think we're, most of us are behind Tosh. Uh, you're behind the black cast. Oh, Christ. Peter Tosh. Peter Tosh made me laugh harder than Daniel Tosh. I was in uh, Ochis Rios the night Peter Tosh was killed. I told you that, right? You have, but I don't know if you... I've rented a villa. I'm above uh, Ochis Rios in a villa. And... Uh, my housekeeper slash cook is crying. I go, what's wrong there? You know, I know I didn't go full bore because I'd only been there two days out of a seven-day stay. And she's, oh, Mr. Tosh was killed tonight. And then the gardener comes in, a switched-on sulfur brother. He said, don't go into town tonight, man. They think he was killed by a white man. And I got down here for a week unwinding. All of a sudden, I've got the uh, villagers from Frankenstein coming up the hill after me. Turns out it was not a white cat who killed him, so I stayed in. I got in the safe room. Anytime your safe room is made out of thatch, it, it eats into the... Uh... <laughs> so, Dennis, how did it feel to be the victim of racial profiling? Uh, I was okay with it. I wish everybody would be. <laughs> the world was, you know, you get on with it, right? Sorry, I, I know we're all, we're all looking for eight reasons a day to shut our lives down. I get away. I got to move. I don't know about your days. My days go quick. Next thing I know, it's 5 o'clock. I'm getting a little loaded watching Tucker, watch some baseball, read a book, 
go to bed. I can't get up and from fucking 10 to 1 every day be thrown off my feed because uh, somebody mislabeled me or misappropriated me. Or, yeah, I don't. That's a young person's game. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you're young and idealistic. I'm 66. I, I got to live these chunks out, man. All right, Jeff, something now just play a few things here because in yeah. between I'm so awkward when I'm saying you play okay. the next one. You make me beg for it, Christian. I feel like I'm Dakota Johnson in the second episode of the Grey movie. Just play a few of these things. That's Mr. Christian to you. Number four. I'm just responding to a comment you made on your Tuesday show where you talked about here being in the go. presence of greatness and then realizing that you were standing next to Jimmy Connors. And you were trying to remember a story where something like that similar had happened. The one I think you were trying to think of is when Marilyn Monroe was cheered for something. And because Joe DiMaggio was such a class guy, he didn't want to step on her fame. But she turned to him and said, Joe, you can't imagine what it's like to hear cheers like that. And this is to a guy who plays center field at Yankee Stadium every day. Imagine the cheers that he heard. Anyway, take care. Love your show. Keep it up. That's a very cool one, brother. Good pull. I don't think it was that, but I can't remember. So uh, any port in a storm, but I love that story. And I did not know. I thought I had fleshed out the great Dimaggio. Uh, my favorite Dimaggio story, of course. And I'm looking to fill time here. So let me fill it with at least a... Uh, uh, a cool little note, DiMaggio hits in 56 straight games, has an offer, then hits in 18 more. I believe he would have been up to 75 games, if not for this offer. So he hits in 56 games. It's unprecedented. I don't even know who has 40 at that point. Maybe Wee Willie Keeler or uh, uh, Huge Dong Hankinson, one of those guys. <laughs> it was a Wee Willie or Huge Dong. And... Uh, DiMaggio in the locker room, all the young players, the Yankees realize that they literally play with a god on their team. And they're all cheering and celebrating and smacking them on the back and saying, well, Joe had had that, but my God, we're, we're, they're in tears that they play with Joe DiMaggio. DiMaggio's sitting in front of his locker and his fucking supporter in a sweaty T-shirt with a letter in his hand, pissed off, cranky. Maybe smoking. I don't know if Joe D. smoked or not, but I can certainly see him with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Young guy says to him, Joe, what the fuck? It's the greatest record. It'll stand for the rest of the time. You okay? DiMaggio shows them the letter. It's from the Heinz Ketchup Company. They say they've got 10K on the table to do an ad for 57 varieties if it gets a hit in the next game, and he's pissed off because he lost the Gitas. <laughs> <laughs> Joe D. Coffee was for closers, man. Even after the big quake that Al Michaels called, Joe D goes back into his house down in that area. It's got the big fissure in it, like Frankenstein's head. And uh, he has to get in the door. He comes out with a valise filled with like 600K in cash. He, he was like Rocky Marciano, Chuck Berry, one of those cats. I want it in a Vons bag, and I want it in 20s before I go on. So he had all this Gitas in the crawl space. And he risks the quake to go back in through the yellow police tape. And that's what true greatness is, folks. Fuck Cooperstown. Fuck Mount Rushmore. Fuck all that. When you've got $600,000 of cash and a valise and you can go up to a cop who's only there for one reason, to keep you out of the yellow tape zone. 
and you flash your mug and all of a sudden he's got a miner's helmet in and he's spelunking around with you in a tremulous <laughs> house. That's when you know you're famous. So good on you, Joe D. <laughs> Uh, let's get one last voicemail in. Voicemail number five, Chris from Colorado. Don't we have something else to do today, Christian? Yeah, we have a call at uh, twelve twenty. Oh, for the, um, the mushroom coffee. Yeah, for our our Are new you friends. Are you going to be on that or just me? Uh, I I was planning on being on it, but uh, if you feel like I'm going to, you know, cramp your style, <laughs> I can uh, talk to Lindsay. Now listen, you know when when I sashay into a room to wrap accelerant brew. You know I'm in my prime, so I don't need any bring down here. You're welcome to come in and dig it. You're welcome to do the Tony Franciosa thing over my shoulder when Lonesome comes in to pitch Vitajacks to old Curly, who's running for president. But don't cramp my style, man. All right? Bundini Brown. Hey, I didn't get in your way when you talked to the Good Game Company, who will be a new sponsor next week. You're right. You're right. You were right there for me. Support Batmite to my sunbird, but you did not cramp my style. Maybe you can do a little Bundini. Men love you. Women love you. Old people love you. Fighter chicks love you. Play this last one. Number five. If you're thinking of a new name for your podcast, <laughs> I would recommend the Dennis Miller Ratio. That is a reference to Simpsons episode 22 on season 10. And uh, I know there might be one or two people out in your audience that might get that reference. Take care. We love you guys. Bye. That's doesn't Lisa join Menson say the something about the Dennis Miller ratio. That's a joke. Only one in a hundred people get or something. <laughs> so, uh, one in a million, actually. <laughs> one in a million. Yeah, yeah that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey. It got me a podcast. <laughs> sure did. Making it in the big times. Christ, there are people being sentenced in night court to a podcast against their will. <laughs> people who don't want to do podcasts have to do it because they've broken the law. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and I got one, didn't I? And it is in the hot 2000. <laughs> All right, I got to get out of here. Jeez. It's the longest show I've ever done. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Dennis Miller Option, exclusively on Westwood One. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, westwoodone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Westwood One.